Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm John McEnroe, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Hi, my name is Grigor Dimitrov, and you're listening to Tennis Podcast. Hi, I'm Mats Villander, and you are listening to the Tennis Podcast. The one and only John McEnroe is our very special guest on the Tennis Podcast today, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. Seven times a Grand Slam champion, winner of three Wimbledons, and a former world number one. He's here with me, David Law, at the Royal Albert Hall, home of Champions Tennis and the venue for Saturday night's world premiere of tiebreak tens, the new quickfire format being launched at 6pm. Ten tiebreak matches with McEnroe, Andy Murray, David Ferrer, Tim Henman and Kyle Edmund all part of the field, competing for a winner-take-all prize of $250,000. We'll talk to McEnroe about that event and his chances, and you won't be surprised to hear that despite being 56, he's still pretty bullish. We'll ask him about the 2015 season and the 2016 season to come, but first, we're going to let some very special listeners ask the questions for us. A few weeks ago on the Chris Evans Breakfast Show on BBC Radio 2, eight people raised £285,000 for children in need by bidding for the ultimate tennis package. Part of that package? to ask John McEnroe a question on the Tennis Podcast. Hi, my name is David Barker. Um, So my question to you, John, is what sort of innovation do you think we're going to get in the next few years, either in technology or the scoring system to tennis to help us take it to the next level? Uh, David, I'm glad you asked. Um, I'm all for reverse innovation. I'm a believer in going back to the wood racket to challenge these bigger, stronger more athletic players to really see what it has to feel like to play with a small piece of wood. Uh, hi, my name's Tracy. Um, John, um, what was your greatest ever uh, tennis achievement? Uh, my greatest ever uh, tennis achievement, Tracy, I think was being part of this uh, memorable, at least in my mind, 1980 Wimbledon final between my great friend and rival Bjorn Borg that I believe will be remembered uh, long after we're gone, and um, that's something I'm extremely proud of, and hopefully in a couple of years people will forget that I lost. <laughs> Hello, I'm Sally. I just wanted to ask you, if you were Andy Murray's coach at the moment, what would you change in his game to get him to beat Djokovic? 
Uh, Sally, great question. He's uh, had a tremendous year, but there's one big obstacle in his way, and his name is Novak Djokovic, or perhaps Roger Federer as well. But the thing that I would change would be to have him be more positive and smile on the court more, since I was so bloody good at it myself. Uh, we have a question from our presenter on the Chris Evans show, Vassos Alexander, uh, the the sports presenter. We'd like to know whether you would advocate, you're, you're going to play in the tiebreak 10s on Saturday night, so a different format, a shortened format. What about the one where they're trying out, which is the first to four games rather than the first to six games? Uh that's just a good question. I think that certainly in a best of five set match, I would advocate a four all fifth set uh, four game and a tiebreaker if it went to four all. So I think that um, in this day and age, people's attention spans seem to be dwindling. And the longer the match goes, um, it seems that it gets less compelling for too many people. And I think it's too good a sport to um, not try to think of ways to interest the fans. Um, I forgot to mention to one of my earlier questions that there should be no umpires. That would be maybe a major innovation as well. Have to throw that in. That could excite things along with a tighter format, quicker format. If you have no umpires, how do you make everything work? Well, we have a challenge system, so obviously there would be unlimited challenges, and I think you'd see a little bloodbath between the two players, or at least more um, of sort of this... Uh, conflict that you saw back more in my day where people, the players seem to be going at it more. And it seems like, uh, to me, they get along too well. This is the Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph. And we do have a question from The Telegraph's tennis correspondent, and that is Simon Briggs. Simon would like to know, John, another question really about Andy Murray and the, the, the challenge he faces now. Obviously, Andy Murray has now won the Davis Cup and uh, and done what Novak Djokovic did five years ago. And Djokovic then went on and used that as a platform, it seemed. He, he won the next 41 matches of his, of his first year after winning the Davis Cup. I just wondered whether you could see that having a, maybe not quite as extreme an effect, but a similar impact. Well, I think that... Um Playing as part of a team is something that Andy really enjoyed, and particularly that he was playing with his brother. So I think that's going to bring a lot of fond memories as he looks back on his career. Um, He's lost in the Australian Open final, I believe, four times. So I think that this could propel him because it forced him to stay sharp and stay in condition a little bit longer than he's used to. So there'll be, have to be less off-court training uh, before he plays the Australian. Obviously, there will be training, but I think that it could propel him here at this event where he needs to find that edge. He hasn't seemed to been able to get it. So perhaps he'd be in that slightly better frame of mind, slightly better shape, and slightly closer to being a father. That all could help him. You did mention, sort of with half a smile on your face, that maybe he does need to smile a little bit more on the court. I mean... Is that partly serious? I mean, did you find out that you would play better sometimes if you, I don't know whether I can say this, relaxed a bit on the court? Um, I, I, you know, I'm definitely serious. I, I think that uh, it hurt me in, in my career that I wasn't, been, wasn't able to enjoy the moment as much as I would have liked, a la Roger Federer, who even in defeat seems to be able to shrug that off extremely well and even at his advanced age, at least tennis-wise, learn from it. And I envy that. I also I respect it, but I envy it. And I saw the same with Connors, where who who was one of my great rivals, where he was able to get extremely ex- 
intense and even negative at times, but it was able to turn that around. And suddenly he's putting his arm around one of the fans shoulders and sort of laughing and making a joke. And I was always amazed and irritated because it happened often when we played that he was able to do that. And it's easier said than done. And I was a semi-miserable failure at it. But when you sort of have been a, are able to be a backseat driver, uh, you can hopefully give some decent advice. And I know, Andy, if you're listening, that it's much tougher to do it when you're out on the court and you're in the midst of it. It's like easy for me to, as a commentator, say what I think someone should do and then actually do it yourself when you're playing. So I sympathize with the difficulty. But if he was able to sort of appreciate the moment a little bit more, I think it would help him, if nothing else, last a little bit longer playing. And just in terms of, of an off-season, coming out of, of an off-season after a season like Djokovic has had, do, do you think if you were one of his rivals, you, what, what process would you go through? Do you think you would analyse Djokovic's game or would you just concentrate on your own and think, well, how can I, how can I hurt him when the time comes? Um, I think that in this day and age, uh, the players seem to leave no stone unturned, so I suspect that it'll be a combination of both. I mean, if... And he knows what he needs to improve. I think that he's looked at Djokovic and seen that he's rep- improved his second serve, that he's improved his net plays, he's improved his ability to go forward. And those are all things that I think uh, Andy uh, feels he could use a little bit of help with. But, you know, mentally, ultimately, it's all about attitude and belief and, and getting yourself in a position where you can feel like you can handle anything that's thrown at you. And I think when push comes to shove, that uh, that's where the biggest edge with. Novak comes and that's hard to change but you have to sort of just keep putting yourself in a position and the beauty about sports is things can change quickly uh sometimes it's the more you the more the things change the more they seem the same and other times things actually change a lot more than you expect and this could be this next year even though it looks like Novak's unbeatable it's hard to imagine he could keep up this pace final question John you here at the Royal Albert Hall you get to play against your old rivals as well, and now you get to play tiebreak tens as well against, well, I was going to say a younger generation, a really younger generation in the case of one or two of them, but short sprint to 10 points on a court that you know well, it could be fun. Well, certainly uh, there's six players playing, and there's, you know, I'm going to put it this way, no one wants to play me, and then no one doesn't want to play me. So there's the part of them is like, Give me a piece of Macrono. He's half the speed. And there's another part. Oh, how embarrassing would it be if I lost a Mac now at 56? So I have that going for me. And obviously, when you're playing an entire match in 10 minutes, you get lucky. You hit an ace. You, a ball rolls over the net. Suddenly, you're in a position at 4-2 or 4-3 up. The person's feeling a little pressure. So then you have your proverbial puncher's chance. I mean, I don't think the odds makers have me very high up. I'm probably about 1,000 to 1 as compared to people that like Andy Murray, it's 2 to 1. And you can go on the least likely guy would be 100 to 1. And I'm going to be somewhere in the stratosphere. But, you know, hopefully it will, uh, I won't make a fool out of myself. <laughs> sure you won't, John. It's lovely to talk to you here on the Tennis Podcast. Thanks for joining us. All right, David. Thanks for having me. Thank you. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.